service. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about my Tacova's cowboy boots. I picked them up while I was in Austin, Texas. I had this event I had to go to that night. It was a formal thing. I had this idea of what I was going to wear, but I needed the one extra thing. And I was like, aha, Tacovis. There's a Tacovis here in Austin. The dudes who worked at the store were great. I found the exact boot I was looking for. This boot is called the Dylan. I got it in midnight black. I wore them to this formal event. I had on a suit. And then tonight, I'm going to wear them with jeans to my son's baseball game. These things are amazing cowboy boots. They're super comfortable, and I can tell already that they're going to last for a long time. A couple things you can do here to check out Tecovis. If you can, stop by your local Tecovis store. Have a complimentary drink or two. The experience is awesome. You can shop all the new styles. You're going to smell that fresh leather in the store. The friendly staff are going to be at your service. They're going to take care of you. They're going to make you feel like a rock star. A lot of the Tecovis stores have these leather custom branding services to make your boots truly personalized. They put on regular live music and events. It's an awesome in-store experience. So if you have the opportunity to check out a Tacova store, I highly recommend it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges. And they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Disgraceland is brought to you by Disgraceland All Access. Disgraceland All Access membership is your chance to support the show and get ad-free listening, an exclusive scripted episode every month, and exclusive bonus content every week, plus access to an always-on chat with me and your fellow discos. Visit disgracelandpod.com slash membership or just click on the link in the show notes for this episode. Good morning and happy Monday, Discos. Welcome to our weekly advance mini episode. The first communique of the week between you and yours truly, the place for us to set the table for everything we're going to be discussing and listening to this week. Specifically, this week's release, a Disgraceland archive episode on Ringo Starr and a Badlands archive episode on Bruce Lee coming to you tomorrow and Thursday, respectively, in the Disgraceland feed, as well as any and all music news relevant to Disgraceland and its many subjects. And of course, this This is where we start the conversation that we continue over voicemail, text, social media, and in our Thursday bonus episodes. All right. We are now four episodes deep into the Wu-Tang saga, just about halfway through with six more episodes coming your way. But I thought this would be a good moment for a pause. Catch our breath a little. Let you guys catch up with the serialized season. If you haven't already, these episodes are building up. We've never done the serialized season. We've always done anthology episodes, one-offs. So we got four in the can. You can check these out. They're in the feed. They're ready for you now. You can listen to them all if you haven't already. You can binge them. We're going to take a quick break this week. Uh, We're going to dive back in next week with some more brand new episodes on the Wu-Tang Clan, specifically next week on Inspect the Deck and Capadon. 
Nirvana. First, however, this week, we're going to free Ringo Starr from our archive, okay? We're still releasing episodes from our exclusive archive. It's been a year-long endeavor, and we are trying our best to get all of these out to you so that you can hear every Disgraceland episode whenever you want. And I don't have to keep fielding these messages. Hey, do you have an episode on Ringo Starr? I can't. I knew you did. I can't find it. Anyways, it's coming. It's coming this week, all right? This is Beatles Chapter 8. Eight episodes on the Beatles, and I got news for you guys. We got another one coming. We're, it's in production right now. But Chapter 8 on Ringo Starr originally released about a year ago. And why might we be releasing Ringo Starr this week, you ask? Well, that is because there's a Wu-Tang connection, because Ringo once sold his personal copy of the White Album by the Beatles, his band. Uh, this is the very first copy of the White Album, ever pressed back in 1968. It was numbered 0000001, and Ringo sold it for $790,000 at auction. That sounds cheap. And it would have set a world record for the most money ever paid for a single album. However, right around this time, Wu-Tang Clan famously released a one-of-a-kind album, a single pressing, an album that went for even more money than Ringo's. How much more? We'll get into that soon enough in our Wu-Tang season. But for now, dig the Ringo episode coming your way tomorrow. And then on Thursday, dig an archive episode of Badlands, the other show that I host, this one all about Bruce Lee, the legendary martial artist and actor whose movies are in the very DNA of Wu-Tang, a group whose debut album is named in part for a Bruce Lee film. You knew this. The other reason we're dropping this episode this week in the Disgraceland feed is because over in the Badlands feed, we got a new episode on Wednesday all about Bruce's son, Brandon Lee, and his mysterious or not so mysterious death on the set of a movie he was making called The Crow. That's our whole universe here. It's all coming together, guys. All right, here's the deal. To recap, you can catch the Bruce Lee episode here in the Disgraceland feed on Thursday. But if you want to hear the Brandon Lee episode and other episodes about actors, actresses, directors, entertainment industry giants, uh, you know, cursed movie sets, whatever, you got to go subscribe to the Badlands podcast and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. The number one song in America right now, as of the writing of this episode, is Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat, a song that's been on the charts for five weeks. It's Doja Cat's second number one song and the first rap Hot 100 number one in over a year because country music has been dominating the charts, um, or at least the number one spot. Not dominating completely, but it's been holding it down like it hasn't as a genre in a long, long time, okay? This ends the longest break for rap slash hip-hop at the top of the charts since 2001, which is nuts. Last time we went this long without a hip-hop song at the top of the Hot 100 was over 20 years ago. So, Doja Cat. All right, congrats. Okay, we've hit the pause button on After Party momentarily. Uh, so let's check out a voicemail or two right here in the pre-party. Before we get to the emails, let's hear from Curtis and the 513. Hey, Jake, this is uh, Curtis from the 513. Headed in right now, listen to this many episodes you got. Hey, uh, I've been listening to the Wu-Tang since they came out, and most of them cats are my age. So when I first heard them, I just felt a connection to what they were talking about and how they were delivering it. It was... Uh, something unified which uh i thought hip-hop needed at that time and uh I, it stuck with me so i've been listening to them and i kept listening to them and they've aged and as i've aged and 
But a lot of those cats are going through a lot of stuff that I've been through, and and I just love it, and I love them. Uh, so to choose one of the best MCs or the my favorite MC, it's hard because from the time I've listened to them, I have went from one to the other, appreciating them all the same and separately as uh, master swordsmen of their craft. Right now, I'm aged 53. And Inspector Deck and Master Killer are right there with me right now. That's who, that's who I am liking right now. So uh, it used to be Ghostface about 10 years ago. Um, Method Man, um, you know, was first. And Raekwon back in the day also. And I revisit them and revisit those old songs. And uh, I, I get that feeling again. But their newer stuff, they're still sharp, man. They're still sharp. Still relevant. And uh, could probably fuck up any of these punk ass MCs that's out right now. Not shitting on new stuff, but yeah, I'm shitting on new stuff. But anyway, man, I appreciate your podcast. Always going to listen to it. Rock and roll. Curtis, my man, I appreciate the take on the woo. Love feeling the love and hearing your evolving appreciation of the group's members. I hope our series uh, lives up. To what your to your expectations and the standard set by Riza and Co. Thanks, Curtis Rockarola. Indeed. All right, let's do one more voicemail. This one from Stephanie in the nine oh nine. Hey, Jake. Stephanie here from the nine oh nine, and I want to share with you who my favorite Wu Tang member is, real quick. <laughs> and I'm looking at a poster of them right now. I would have to vote for Method Man because his voice stands out more, and his lyrics. As, along with everyone else, super original, but his lyrics also stand out more with his, I don't know, something about his voice and his demeanor that he uses with it and the various uh, styles he has and how he brings them together, like he says, in a method, because he has different methods for different shit, as he says. So I think he's my favorite, but uh, it's a tough call. Anyway, thanks for the show. It's amazing. And the series, can't wait for you to wrap it up. Thanks. I think I agree with you, Stephanie. Method Man might be my favorite too. And in the spirit of Curtis's message, though, I'm holding on to the opinion loosely, okay? Uh, knowing that my opinion will likely evolve and or change over time, as it's done with other incredible groups of musicians like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. At one point or another, every member of the Beatles has been my favorite. <laughs> Maybe it's Ringo's turn right now. I don't know the Ringo's. Yeah, actually, I went through a good night Vienna Ringo phase back in the day. Um, so anyways, thanks for the kind words about the series, Stephanie. We appreciate it. Um, you know, a little break on the after party, as I mentioned, but we do have an after party coming next week. So blow me up on the voicemail on your favorite Wu-Tang member and or any music topic, 617-906-6638 voicemail or text. I said I was going to do some emails, but let's do a couple texts beforehand. The 443 writes in, meth was my favorite Wu member. And by the way, I'd love to write for Disgrace and be down to contribute for an episode. Peace, homie. All right. Thanks, 443. I will let you know. We're kind of stacked with writers at the moment, though. Appreciate it. Uh, the 831 writes in, hey, any chance of a Bone Thugs episode? They've got intergroup turmoil. A founding member was locked up during the group's prime. They're the first rap group to be featured on tracks with Biggie and Pac, and they were Easy E's young protégés. Great suggestion, 831. 
we'll look into that. I can say, you know, this Disgraceland train, it just keeps on chugging and we need all the content we can get. So we'll put this one in the hopper and see what we can come up with. The 480 writes in, yo, John from the 480, you were talking about Jim Gordon today in the mini episode and MOD did a song about him. John's talking about Billy Milano's group Method of Destruction. Uh, John goes on to say, so my favorite Wu-Tang member is, well, first of all, hold on, hold up, hold up. M.O.D. did a song about Jim Gordon. I did not know this. I, of course, listened to M.O.D. Uh, or heard of them back in the day, long, 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 long time ago before I knew anything about Jim Gordon. I'm going to have to look into that. Uh, maybe M.O.D. is uh, a different group. I don't know. Um, but I'm thinking Billy Milano, Method of Destruction. Who knows? John goes on to say, so my favorite Wu-Tang member is ODB and then Method Man and the RZA because of the Gravediggers. Recommendation for an episode about Dimebag Daryl from Damage Plan and Pantera and his death on stage. My man, John, you got to go check out the Disgraceland archive. That Pantera episode is there already and it's waiting for you. And it's one of my favorites. So check that out. The 205 writes in, Jake, your show is so good and so meaningful to me. Love sharing it with people, sucking true crime people into a music podcast and vice versa. I so appreciate that they're very knowledgeable, but the opposite of pretentious. I had to write in to share my bittersweet joy that you will finally be doing your deep dive into Buffett. Uh, that's Jimmy Buffett, not Warren Buffett. Thank you for bringing your great show into the world. Amy from the 205 in Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you, Amy. It's a very nice message. I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate you bringing people into the Disgraceland universe. I'm excited to get into Jimmy Buffett. I hope uh, I hope it meets your expectations when we finally release that episode. Um, guys, 617-906-6638. That's where you text me. You email me at disgracelandpod at gmail.com. And let's uh, do a couple emails right now. All right. This one from Dave Eschenbaugh. I hope I'm pronouncing that the right way. Dave writes in uh, subject jazz message. Hey, Jake, greetings from the 206. I've been listening to Disgraceland almost from the beginning, and they're always well done and enjoyable. You've been talking about jazz a lot, and people seem to be giving you a lot of recommendations. So I figured I'd jump in and add a few of my own. And some of them are a little weirder than what people have been telling you. So hopefully you enjoy them. Uh, I love this list already. Just looking at this here. Dave, uh, Dave's list, guys. It's number one, Out to Lunch by Eric Dolphy. Number two, The Inflated Tear or tear, tear, the inflated tear, I hope I'm getting that right, the inflated tear by Rasan Roland Kirk, number three, A Night in Tunisia by Art Blakey, number four, Mingus Aum by Charles Mingus, I know that record, it's great, uh, Dave goes on to say about that record, he's a thoroughly fascinating dude who could probably be the subject of an episode, yes he could, uh, some of the stories are pretty wild, check out his autobiography, Beneath the Underdog, uh, I will, thank you. Uh, Dave goes on to say, you've also mentioned Lee Morgan's The Sidewinder, and he could definitely be the subject of an episode. I know, and he's on the list. On the list, Dave. Nothing else. Watch I Called Him Morgan on Netflix, if it's still there. I think it is. Uh, keep up the good work. It's always a great list. And Dave, Dave, appreciate the thoughtful uh, email here. Great list. I'm going to recall this list today when I get into my car and uh, head out on the town with the wifey and check out. I th what am I going to check out here first? I think the Roland Kirk, maybe the Art Blakey. I've got an Art Blakey record. It's not this one. So maybe I'll start there and I'll report back, Dave. Preach. 
All right, this email comes from JJ Worley. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, it says, hey, Jake, hey, buddy, strange as it may sound, I am a licensed electrician, IBEW Local 494, and the boss I refer to here is actually the company owner's wife. She runs the office, assists with bids, etc. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, there truly are many mom-and-pop businesses that thrive, and I firmly believe are part of the network of entrepreneurs and small businesses that play a vital role in keeping this country rolling. I would agree. Uh, JJ Worley goes on to say, anyway, let me get off my soapbox. One memory I will never forget is during my son's early teenage years, I was running commercial jobs, clothing stores, department stores, etc. And on Saturdays, I would bring my son to the job sites with me. And we would set the radio up. We would play Wu-Tang, Outkast, Gangster, all that. Man, I got to say, nothing makes a dad prouder than seeing your 14-year-old with a tool belt on a scissor lift above the ceiling, troubleshooting circuits. <laughs> and you already know what our soundtrack was. Other tradesmen would actually come and give me props for passing on the trade to my son. One of my proudest dad moments for sure and he has picked up the torch and is about to finish his own apprenticeship if the spirit grabs you feel free to use any part of my little wu-tang family memory as part of your podcast i would truly be honored you have already earned my respect so either way i'm down like four flats on a cadillac stay up my friend jj electrician for life all right jj love it man very cool thank you so much for the email um appreciate the story and the tie-in to the wu-tang Guys, hit me up with your emails, disgracesampod at gmail.com, and I'll respond just like I did here to JJ and others. All right, we're going to shift gears here, and we're going to talk about this week in Disgraceland history. On September 20th, 1970, all right, September 20th this week, Jim Morrison, lead singer of The Doors, ever heard of them? He was found guilty of, quote, open profanity and indecent exposure, unquote, after allegedly exposing Little Jim at a concert in Miami in 1969. We all know Jimbo was acquitted of a more serious felony charge and other misdemeanors, and this all stemmed from an incident in March the previous year, 1969, an incident which had many witnesses, many of whom could not agree about what actually happened or what they saw, though it became yet another reason for the authorities, for, for police to crack down on loud, rebellious rock music that they thought was poisoning the minds of the youth. Uh, you, can, you can hear more about this whole thing. We've covered Jim a lot. You can hear about this in the Zodiac Killer episode on Jim Morrison we did from season three and also in another show that I host called The 27 Club Season 2. Ten episodes all about Jim Morrison. All right, also on September 20th, this time in 1973, so exactly 50 years ago this week, Phil Kaufman stole his friend Graham Parsons' corpse, drove it out to Joshua Tree, and lit it on fire. This is a bonkers story. We covered it back in season seven of Disgraceland. Uh, Graham Parsons, of course, one of the most influential musicians in rock and roll uh, that you maybe never heard of. He created a form of music that's been copied by everyone from the Eagles to just about every artist from the so-called Americana genre in the 1990s. Graham Parsons directly influenced the Rolling Stones' greatest album, one of the greatest rock and roll albums of all time, Exile on Main Street. And when he died, tragically, at the age of 26, his body, as I said before, was stolen and unceremoniously disposed of. So... Make sure you check that episode out in Disgraceland, especially if you're a Stones fan or you're Stones curious. Uh, that's available right now. Check it out if you haven't already. 
All right, elsewhere in Disgraceland history, on September 23rd, 1969, newspapers began to report on the death of Paul McCartney, a death that had been rumored to have happened uh, ever since Paul was in a car accident a few years earlier. The rumor was stoked by supposed clues in Beatles songs and on Beatles album covers, a rumor that insisted that the role of Paul was now being played by an imposter and that the real Paul was actually dead and six feet under. But the rumor was taken to a whole new level with the release of the Beatles uh, uh, album Abbey Road. We covered this whole Paul is dead phenomenon in our Paul McCartney episode back in season eight of Disgraceland. And uh, here's a clip. On the cover of the Abbey Road album, John cast himself as the band's leader, their angel, dressed in all white, walking across the actual Abbey Road, leading the dead man's procession. Behind him, wearing all black, the undertaker, Ringo Starr. Behind him, the dead man, the Paul, barefoot, as most corpses were buried at the time, and walking out of step with the rest of the band. Behind him, clad head to toe in working class denim, is George Harrison, the gravedigger, bringing up the rear. A license plate in the background reads LMW 28 IF, as in if Paul were still alive, he would be 28 years old. The rumors, the clues, they were there from the start at the time of the car accident in 66, but by the time Abbey Road was released in 1969, news that Paul is dead had taken on international proportions. The album cover was too much. Apple Corps phones were inundated with calls from the press demanding to know of Paul McCartney's death. A radio station in Detroit, Michigan, over in the States, gave callers a full hour to work through their grief. More clues were explored. The Michigan Daily, an actual American newspaper, laid the clues out in its pages. Soon, radio stations on both sides of the pond were flooded with calls from listeners pressing insider DJs on news of Paul's death. WKNR in Detroit gave the subject of Paul's death its own two-hour special. New York's mainstream WABC and WMCA discussed the issue at length until their DJs were fired for breaking their respective stations' formats with talk. WABC was syndicated and reached more than 38 American states. America convinced itself, Paul is dead. All right, to hear more about whether or not Paul McCartney actually died back in the 1960s. All right, he didn't die. I'm not saying that he died, but the discourse surrounding this is truly fascinating. So, you know, uh, and also hear how Paul wound up in a notorious Japanese prison, which is perhaps even more interesting. Uh, check out our episode from season eight of Disgraceland. And take a quick break. Back in a flash. Hey, are you guys proud dog owners like I am? You ever wonder why so many dogs are suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, you know Katherine Heigl from Knocked Up. She's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation. And she says that she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, Catherine feels that there's one place that we can all look to improve our dog's health, and that is their food. Many dog foods can actually create toxins that can be wrecking our dog's health. Okay, and this is true even for many of the premium dog food brands. However, by just adding a few special superfoods to our dog's diets, we can see huge transformations in their health. Catherine Heigl has already done this. She's made a video about it. You guys need to watch this video. It's a 20 minute video explaining step-by-step step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. 
This worked amazingly for my dog, Dusty. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin, uh, healthier coat. Dusty's coat looks fantastic. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash disgraceland and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash disgraceland. Hey, Discos, it's Jake here. Thank you so much for listening to Disgraceland. Your support truly means a lot to me, and it's because of you that my team and I are able to make this show. If you want more Disgraceland, if you want more regular interactions with me and the community of Disgraceland listeners, or if you simply want to listen to the show ad-free, go to disgracelandpod.com slash membership, or just click on the link in the show notes for this episode. For just five bucks a month, you can listen to every episode of Disgraceland ad-free. Plus, you'll get one brand new exclusive episode every month. You'll also get weekly unscripted bonus content, special audio collections, and early access to merch and events. There are two ways that you can support the show and become a member at disgracelandpod.com slash membership. You can sign up using Patreon and listen to the show ad-free on Apple, Spotify, and most other major podcast platforms. And Patreon members also get access to all the other perks of membership in an always-on chat where I'll be interacting with you and diving deeper into the world of Disgraceland. But maybe you're currently an Apple Podcast subscription listener and you want to just tap into all the bonus audio content and ad-free listening that we're offering. We're also offering this membership as a premium channel on Apple Podcasts. However you choose to join, all you got to do is go to disgracelandpod.com slash membership. Support the show for just $5 a month, five bucks, or sign up for an annual plan and get two months free. Come join me and your fellow discos at Disgraceland All Access by visiting disgracelandpod.com slash membership. All right. We are talking about musicians in the news behaving badly. Earlier this month on September 8th, Zach Bryan, the guy with the number one song in the country that very day, was arrested. Has that ever happened before? <laughs> Where the dude with the number one song in America was arrested. True crime and music colliding right there in the news in public with the number one song, the device that we use in every Disgraceland episode. This arrest uh, doesn't seem like anything serious. I don't know. It's all tangled, has to do with being shitty to a cop perhaps, or whatever. The details are sketchy. It's not even worth going into. The interesting thing to me is that Zach Bryan had the number one song <laughs> at the time that he was arrested, which is just fascinating to me. Uh, perhaps more interesting, juicier. ASAP Rocky and his lawyer were both sued by ASAP Relly for defamation. Uh, this guy, Terrell ASAP Relly Efron, sued ASAP Rocky for defamation. Uh, the lawsuit focuses on statements made after Rocky was charged and sued for allegedly shooting ASAP Rally in November 2021. Rocky, ASAP Rocky, of course, pled not guilty to two charges of assault with a semi-automatic firearm. This is messy. This is all over the place. This is 
too messy to get into here. I'm waiting for these details to actually get sussed out. Maybe there's a second ASAP Rocky episode for us in the future here in Disgraceland. I don't know, but if you want the first ASAP Rocky episode, go check that out. It's in the archive. Also in the news, the Blue Ridge Rock Festival, uh, a camping festival which took place or kind of took place recently in Virginia, uh, where Shinedown and Pantera were supposed to headline. By the way, a camping trip with Pantera, the new Pantera, uh, doesn't sound fun. Uh, anyways, this is supposed to happen on a Saturday and Sunday, but severe weather on both those days canceled the show entirely. And now there's rumors going around that it wasn't severe weather, that it was bad working, unsafe working conditions, and that the pro the, the workers just worked off the job uh, due to a beef with the promoter. I, I'm not exactly sure. Just a big fucking mess. And the more interesting thing is that some of these artists, they actually went out into the parking lot, uh, Papa Roach, Shine Down and recent number one artist, uh, Oliver Anthony, they all met out in the parking lot, put on an acoustic set for a bunch of fans, which I thought was very cool and worth mentioning. And finally, rest in peace to Richard Davis, legendary jazz bassist who played with Eric Dolphy, Elvin Jones, Charles Mingus, Pharaoh Sanders, Louis Armstrong, Dizzy Gillespie, and Sarah Vaughn. But in addition to jazz, he played on a ton of rock records and more. He was the bass player on Van Morrison's incredible record, Astro Weeks. He's on Springsteen's Greetings from Asbury Park. Played with Paul Simon, Bonnie Raitt, The Rascals, Buffalo Springfield, Bo Diddley. The list goes on. Richard Davis was 93 years old. 93. What a life. Rest in peace. 617-906-6638 or at DisgraceSlamPod on the socials or DisgraceSlamPod at gmail.com if you got anything on your mind you would like to discuss with me. We are going to wrap it up, all right? Let's wrap this mini episode up now that we've set the week for us here in Disgraceland. Number one, get ready for two archive episodes hitting your feeds this week week in Disgraceland. Uh, Ringo Starr tomorrow and a Badlands feed drop on Bruce Lee on Thursday. Number two, I've got questions and I'm looking for answers. 617-906-6638. I want to know what's on your mind. 617-906-6638 with your answers to let me know your thoughts on Ringo. Let me know your thoughts on Bruce Lee. Let me know your thoughts on the Wu-Tang Clan. Hit me up, discos. All right, like I said, Ringo on Tuesday, Bruce Lee on Thursday. We're back on Monday with another one of these advanced mini episodes. I think there's an after party coming soon as well. Uh, to land this plane, though, I'm going to read to you the Billboard charts from the week of September 15th, 1973, the week that Graham Parsons' corpse was stolen by his friend and set ablaze under the stars and Joshua Tree. Number one, Delta Dawn, Helen Reddy. Last week, three. Peak position, one. Weeks on chart, 13. Number two, Let's Get It On, Marvin Gaye. Last week, one. Peak position, one. Weeks on chart, 10. Number three, say, has anybody seen my sweet rose? Dawn, featuring Tony Orlando. Last week, four. Peak position, three. Weeks on chart, 10. Number four, loves me like a rock. Paul Simon, Dixie Hunter. Last week, number six, two. Peak position, four. Weeks on chart, Number five, last Peak position, last week, three. Peak position, Weeks on chart, Number six, Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it.